It's a great, it's a really great privilege to be here. And looking at your faces, I, this is just so exciting, isn't it? Don't you? I, this is really exciting, you know. Um, and I was saying to Sam yesterday, uh, how thrilling that uh, here you are at the birth of a new church, and you're right, you're right at the beginning of this. And I just think I'm, I just want to um, champion you really because you could be in a nice, you know, in a nice. A bigger, a, a bigger church where everything is sitting in, where you can just sit in the pews and do nothing. But you've decided to be here where you have to roll your sleeves up and be active. And I just think, I champion that because this is the, this is the mission of the Holy Spirit. This is, this is, you've just jumped into the stream of the Spirit where he says, I'm not, I'm not content that anybody would perish. I want everybody to come to repentance. I want, I want everybody to know my son. And then you've just said, I'm jumping right in the middle of it, and we are going for that. So I champion you. So fantastic. Hey, um, I'm going to talk uh, about the, what God is like in his compassion. There's going to be a PowerPoint, I think, that's going to come up, which will be cool. Um, but before I, before I get there, can I, um, I just want to you know, prepare your hearts for what I feel like God will want to do, because what I'm, what I'm going to share, I, I feel like God has given me a prophetic word and I'm just not going to tickle your ears with some theory that I hope doesn't just get into your heads. I hope that you are prepared to make some changes. And I, I feel that's the word that God gave me. That I had two dreams last week, um, two separate dreams, and both of them were about change. One of them was, um, it was a meeting some elderly people, and they, they had been in the kingdom for a long time, and they thought, we've done enough changes, I'm not making any more changes. And in my dream, I was actually saying to them, until the whole purpose of the Spirit was coming, was to transform us into the image of His Son. And until you're like Jesus, you don't get to stop changing. Change will happen until you're exactly like Jesus. And Anybody there? <laughs> no, so change is our life, isn't it? We're going to be constantly being transformed. And yet here's what I think often happens. We, we can be in church for a while and we sort of think that my tomorrow will be just like my yesterday and it'll just be ongoing. Um, we can't think, you have to let go of that. You've got, I hope that you will um, be ready to say, God, if you want to do some changes in me, I need to be changed again. Will you change me again and, and be open to that? Because sometimes we can actually sit and not be ready for that. And so I, I feel like God's saying, be ready for that. In fact, the other dream was that I was at a um, cafe in a town, Dun Sandal, actually, um, which is one of you know, the Dun Sandal store. Uh, but I was in another cafe around the corner, and this one doesn't exist. And everyone was going to this cafe, not the one that everybody goes to. And, it was, and I woke up feeling like this is a real change. Like, why aren't they going to this one? Why are they all of a sudden going to this? This is new. What? This is new. And it was about change. And then, just to throw another one in, uh, Jackie and I we were going out for a meal last night, and I walked past this window, and it's because we were a little bit early for our, our booking, so we had to go for a walk, and the sign outside the shop said, change is here. And I already knew God wanted me to say, to say change is here, and I thought, change is here. <laughs> it's right here in Napier. And then we walked, kept walking around, and I went around the um, back of it, and um, actually, it was the same store, but it was farmers, and it was round, and now we're on the other side of it, and it said, changes here. I said, it's the same sign. Oh, hang on. This is a miracle. No, it's, it's the same store. But change is here. Like, I hope you're ready for change. 
And because I'm going to show you some stuff, and I, and the the two songs that Chris picked, you know, um, you know, it was all about you being transformed within, like you'll feel something within. And I'm going to share a Greek word with you, that I, I, it's just a fantastic word. Actually, even to say it is fun, but um, it actually means that you will be, it'd be in your guts. It's the word, it's like gut wrenched. Um, and that's how you, God wants you to live, not out of the surface, a veneer, but right out of your heart, right out of your guts, there will be something driving you. And that's how the Holy Spirit wants you to experience something. Can I pray? And um, let's just welcome the Holy Spirit. He will give revelation. If, if, if He's amongst us, He will give you revelation. And I, um, I hope you don't feel safe. Right at the moment, because um, if you feel like I can just I'm settled, then I'm, I want to unsettle you and make you hungry for a, a whole lot more of the Holy Spirit. So, because He does want you to be like that, He said, "Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness; they'll be satisfied." I hope you're really hungry for more, because um, I believe the Holy Spirit is here and wants to pour out some more for you individually, but for you as a church more. So Holy Spirit, we are um, so grateful for everything that you've given us already. We are blessed. We live in an amazing country. We are so blessed. Um, the freedoms that we have, all of that, it's, we don't take it for granted. We're grateful. But, and thank you, Father, for what you've done here at Bay Vineyard. Look, this is amazing. You've started a family. You've, you've born a family here, created a lovely family, and yet there are so many people in Napier, Hastings, Havelock North, don't know you. And what about them, Father? And um, God, I pray that you would flood these people's hearts so full of your spirit that they would rise up and say, not on my watch. I will not let that happen. Um, Father, I pray that you would stir your passion in their hearts and you would really birth compassion, deep compassion, because it is your nature, so... Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. Do what you want to do and say what you want to say, I ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, this is one of my favorite authors, Tozer. You've heard of Tozer, A.W. Tozer? I love this statement that he, he writes in his book, um, The Knowledge of the Holy. Um, and he says this, What you think about when you think about God is the most important thing about you because you are becoming like what you worship. So what you think about when you think about God is the most important thing because you are becoming like that. And so if you have a wrong idea of who God is, then and that's, you have to address that because we have to think right about God because we're becoming like that. And for every culture, it, like if you have a look at um, any nation, if you have a look at their deity, the God that they worship, that people are becoming like that. And so what we think about, when we think about God, we have to get this right. And you think about a foundation, for instance, of a, like if a, if a foundation's off whack, whatever you build on that is going to be off whack. And the higher you build, the worse it is. Eh? Like if you build a little garden shed and the foundation's not right, it doesn't really matter. It's only a little garden shed. You build a house and the foundations aren't right, it starts to be a problem. And you build a two-story house, it's an even bigger problem. You build a skyscraper, like just a tiny bit out of whack, you're in trouble. And so getting the foundation right, and this is what we are at this stage in this church. This is the foundation. We're setting foundations. 
So we want to make sure we get this right. And here's the thing. Um, in, this is really sad that people in the world, people that don't know Jesus, they've got a weird idea about what God is like, don't they? Um, they don't have any, they don't, Jesus they're fine with. They, they like Jesus. He was a good man. Um, he was kind to lepers and prostitutes and you know, he was a real kind. They, they have an issue with the church, though. They think that we are very judgmental, and they think we're bigots. That's, that's just how, what they think about us. How, where did they get that? Like, if we're meant to be like Jesus, and he's not like that, how can they, why would they ever think that we are so judgmental? Why would they get that? Where would they get that impression from? So I'm, I'm going to hopefully show you that um, from Scripture that God has always revealed himself. He's not out to judge. That God's knee-jerk reaction whenever he, met, whenever he met sin, whenever he met people that were falling by the way, it was never, his first thing was never to squash. It was always to embrace, always to embrace. That's the heart of God, always. So let me just show you. I'll take you through some scriptures and we'll have a look. Um, one of the things, the very first time God ever revealed his nature was to Moses. Moses, you know this story in Exodus chapter 33 and Exodus chapter 34. Remember, Moses said, show me your glory. Show me your ways. I want to know you. Show me your glory. I want to know you. And God said, no one can see my glory and live. But, you know, and, but then he says, I'll put you in a cleft of a rock and I'll cover you with my hand. And then as, my, as, I, as I walk by, I will declare myself to you. Now, listen to the words that... Um, God speaks when he's revealing his nature. This is what he's doing. I'm revealing my nature. This is how Moses understood God to be. He said this, I am the Lord, the Lord, and the very first thing that comes out of his mouth as a description is the compassionate. The very first thing he said, I am the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and faithfulness, forgiving iniquity. And then he says, but, but visiting the sins on the fathers and on the children and the children's children's children. Do you, you know that? Know that verse? Oh, it's up there? Cool. There it is. To the third and fourth generation. How many of you, have you been in the church for, how many of you remember the last bit of that? Visiting the sins on the father of the children. Put your hands up if you remember that But Why is that? Why is it that somehow we've, we've latched on to judgment? That's the thing that we've most remembered in that whole passage. Most people remember the visiting the sins of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. But it's one-seventh of what he said was judgment, and it was right at the very end, the very first thing that came out of his mouth was the compassionate. And let me just show you, this is not a once, like, this is not just a once in terms of God revealing himself. I'll take you quickly through because, you know, the next one is um, Jonah. Remember the story of Jonah where Jonah was going to um, preach, he was told to go and preach to the Ninevites. Now these were the Assyrians, they were vicious against the Jews, and the Jews were scared of them, hated them, because they were oppressing them. And then Jonah was told to go and preach to them, and Jonah ran, didn't he? He'd gone, and then you know he got swallowed by a fish, etc., etc. So why was, I always thought that Jonah was just scared. 
You know, Jonah was told to go and preach to these people, and he was scared, didn't want to. These were vicious people, the Assyrians. But it's not, that's not why he didn't want to preach. He didn't want to preach because he didn't want God to forgive them. He wanted God to judge them. And so this is, this is what he said. Uh, it displeased Jonah um, that God, because he did preach in the, in the end, you know, the, the fish vomits him up. And you can imagine what he'd look like. He'd been in the belly of a fish, all the acid. Like He would have looked like weird. Eh? He would have looked weird. And he gets up and preaches. They, man, they would have listened to this man. Been in the belly of a fish for three days. So he preaches. And then the whole place gets sackcloth and ashes and they repent. And then he says, I knew that this is what you're like. Oh, Lord, is this not what I said when it was in my home country? That's why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. I knew that, what does he say? You're a gracious God. You're compassionate. You're slow to anger. You're abounding in steadfast love. You're relenting of disaster. The God that Jonah knew is the God that Moses knew. They understood God's central heart, his central nature is a God of compassion. He knows. That's, that's who God is. So you think, okay, so um, Moses understood that. Jonah understood that. So what about others? Like, look at David. This is one of the Psalms of David. This is how David um, understood God. In Psalm 86, verse 15, But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious. You're slow to anger and bounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. The Old Testament, they had revealed, God had revealed himself. Like these people that worship God, knew God, this is how they understood God. Um, Nehemiah, there's another one. Um, this is Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 17. They refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them. They stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God ready to forgive. You're gracious, you're merciful, you're slow to anger, you're abounding in steadfast love, you didn't forsake them. So what about you when you make a mistake? Um, how often do we feel, because let's be honest, some, so when you sin and you do sin, uh, how many of you feel like, you know, I want to quickly run to God, but often we feel like, you know, he's probably angry and I've, I've, and I've done something wrong and I now feel awkward. And, we've, and somehow we've locked into our mind the visiting the sins of the fathers and the children, and he's the judge. And we've somehow got this idea that he's a judge waiting to strike, or we have to appease. And yet he's trying to reveal himself constantly. I am not like that. I'm full of compassion. So Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son, and, the, and he says, the father, what's the father like? Just to run to him. To run to him. You make a, you make a mistake. And we, what is your heavenly father like? What's his nature, his central, his knee-jerk is always compassion. Always compassion. And I'm going to show you in a minute um, how Jesus, because now Jesus is God personified. He's, he is perfect theology. If you want to know what God is like, you look at his son. Because the Bible says in Hebrews, in times past, he spoke through the prophets and in the law, but now he's spoken to us in his son. And if you want to know what God is like, you look at Jesus. He's perfect. That's the perfect representation of God. And um, 
when Jesus walked on earth, how many times do we read in Scripture, and Jesus moved with compassion, did so-and-so? It's right throughout Scripture. You read the Gospels, you cannot escape that phrase, and Jesus moved with compassion. Um, So here's the thing, um, talking about Jesus being God personified, um, Colossians 2, 9 and 10, in him is the whole fullness of deity. Uh, You've been filled with him as the head of all and over all authority. And Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. And Jesus said, Philip, have I been with you for so long and have you got this yet? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We're exactly the same. So I'm going to show you... um, Oh, actually, no, I better go for this, otherwise I'll, I really want to show you this. Um, the Jesus' ministry, go to there. Um, when this is, now, you think this is the beginning of your ministry, uh, well, this is the beginning of this church, and this is how Jesus started his. In Luke chapter 4, it said that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted, so he was led by the Spirit, um, and then he said he was filled with the Spirit, he was empowered, came out in the power of the Spirit. And then in Luke chapter 4, Jesus stands up. He receives the scroll from the Isaiah, and he says this. Um, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. But if you have a look, um, no, go back. Sorry, go back to the, that's it there. So he's actually quoting Isaiah chapter 61, isn't he? That's what he got, but he missed a bit out, didn't he? Like he, he was reading, he wasn't, he wasn't just quoting it from memory, I bet he could have, but he was reading from the scroll and he stopped mid-sentence. He's missed out the bit that I've highlighted down the bottom in the day of vengeance. He intentionally missed that out. He intentionally stopped halfway through a sentence because the Jews of his day, they didn't need to be told he's a God of vengeance because they had that down. Like they were, ju- they were I mean, the Pharisees and all that sort of stuff, they had God as a judge. And so they, they didn't need to hear God as a judge. So Jesus stopped halfway through. And if you think that, that it was a mistake, have a look where he, went, where he goes to after that in Luke chapter 4. Um, 20 to 30, he actually goes through and he says, um, at the beginning it says there, everybody was speaking well of him, and so they were, he was doing all these miracles and signs, they, everyone was, he, they were happy with Jesus, and then he says this last bit, and then they want to kill him, and so the bit that he says is, he's talking about um, the widow, who wasn't a Jew, and God, was an, she was an, of an enemy nation, and God fed her, and then Naaman, who was full of leprosy, who was a general in the Syrian army who was attacking Israel, and God healed him. And the Jews, hearing that, wanted to kill Jesus because he was saying, you know, God is not a God of vengeance. God is a God of compassion. And they said, no, 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 no. God is a God of vengeance. They latched onto that. And, I, you know, I think we need to hear this as much as they needed to hear that. That, um, you know, we think sometimes that God loves us and that there are people in the world and um, he just wants to save them, but he's angry with them. That The truth couldn't be further from that. He's, he so loves the world 
that he sent his son. He so loves the world. Um, we are his children, but so are they. You know, they, don't, they may not have accepted him yet as their saviour, but they are his kids. And he said, I will leave the 99 and go and look out for the one. And we don't have that ratio any longer in church. You know, it's not like there's 99% and one lost. There's one, there's one in the fold. There's 99 lost. And that's the heart of Jesus. That's the heart of the Holy Spirit. That's why we plant churches, because his passion is for his children. And he wants this in us. He wants this passion in us. And when the, where, wherever the church has stopped this mission, the Spirit has moved because the Spirit is constantly on mission to rescue people. And let me just show you um, the word in Greek that I wanted to, um, to highlight to you is um, uh, splachnizomai. Now, I thought, how do you pronounce that? So I had, to, I had to go onto a website that had a little thing that I could push and it says it, splachnizomai. Now, um, the literal translation of that word means the moving of the bowels. And, and when I think of bowels moving, you know, that's not what it means. Like, but it means, it means that it's deep in your guts. It's, it's almost like I can't bear to look at that and do nothing. When Jesus was moved with compassion, he, could, he looked at something and it was splachnizomai. Do you want to say that? Does that sound... <laughs> You do want to have a go. So say that after me. Splach nizamai. This is, this is gut-wrenching. This is like not on my watch. That's what that means. This is like I can't, bear to, I can't bear to look at that and not act. And when Jesus, all this, the times, and I'll show you the times, it's really helpful to see this. Like this is what it, this is what it means. And I guess it's, I saw an image like this um, there are some things that we do that are like a veneer, and it looks like wood, but it's only thin, and it's just covering bison board or whatever, you know, custom board, but it's not real. And some of the things that we have are just like, they're just like a veneer, and yet God says, I want it to come from deep in your soul, not an external thing, I should do this, but I just can't help but do this. Like, I'm, you know, like... Um, do you, know, do, you, do you get what I'm trying to say? That that's, that's compassion. That's the translation of the word compassion. Jesus moved with compassion. I can't bear this. I have to act. So let me take you on, just have a look at, it, at some of the things that uh, Jesus was moved with compassion for. Like the first one is Jesus um, saw a, a widow and he was coming um, into Jericho he was walking into Jericho and there was a funeral procession coming out. So here's Jesus coming into Jericho with a procession of life coming with his disciples. And there's a procession of death coming out of Jericho. And then Jesus looks at this woman. She's a widow. And this is her only son. So now she is, she is nothing. She's got, there's no social welfare. There's nothing this lady has now. It's all gone. There's no husband to provide for her and her only son is now dead. And Jesus moved with compassion. Like, I just, can't, I just can't bear this. He raises up the boy and he gives him to his mum because he's moved with compassion. Because he sees. So Jesus raises the dead because of compassion. He's moved with compassion. And the next one is the preaching of the gospel. He saw the crowds and he had compassion. 
And again, like you can preach the gospel and you can do so because, you know, you feel like, okay, we should witness. You know, when people witness because they feel like they should witness, it really doesn't come across. Like it, it's, it's, it feels like you're trying to push people to do something. But if you look at people with love and you genuinely love people, then people will respond to that because they will respond to love. They won't respond to our words. if they. Um, I think it was Spurgeon that said, you know, you should never preach hell unless you have got tears streaming down your face. And, and it's, you know what I'm saying in terms of that? If people know that you genuinely love them, they're not just a notch for our belt. They're not just, oh, I feel like I should do this. But if you just think, I just cannot bear the fact that you would be separated and you're like sheep without a shepherd, that's why Jesus did what he did. That's why he preached the gospel. He was moved with compassion to do it. And the next one, um, what is that one? Uh, he saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. So he just couldn't, um, again, you know, we want to um, heal the sick, but if we do so because splachnismai, you know, I see the sick and I just feel I have to, I have to do something. Now, all these things, uh, they, God wants these things in, in your heart. Um, that it wouldn't just be from the top of your head like, I know I ought to pray for the sick. I know I ought to share the gospel. But if you had the Spirit, and this is where I started off talking about change. Because if you, and we can live, we can be, if you've been in the church for a while, you, we can sort of get to a thing where I just go through the motions of this. I, I keep on doing the same things, going along to church, but I've lost this passion. You know, I really, God, would you stir up? And those songs that we sang, they were both about, like, put this fire in me. And let me feel the passion again. I think that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do with you today. I think the Holy Spirit wants to put within you a passion so that you don't feel like I ought to do these things, but almost like I'm, I can't help but do these things. And it's, not, it's just not me, but it's the Holy Spirit. Because what did Jesus say in John chapter 14? Out of your innermost being there will flow rivers of living water. He didn't say into your innermost being but out of your innermost being. In other words, there's an overflow. You're so full of the Holy Spirit, you are moved by the Holy Spirit. And that's not abnormal Christianity. That's just normal Christianity. That's what it means to be a Christian. A, a normal Christian is somebody who is full of the Holy Spirit and there's an overflow of their life. That's for everybody. That's not for super Christian. That's normal Christianity. That you would be moved with his heart, like you would be gut wrenched for the things. Like we have some, I've heard people pray, and it's not a bad prayer, it's a good prayer. You know, move my heart for what moves you. That's what that means. That I would be genuinely stirred by the Holy Spirit. God, would you stir my heart? I read a book by a guy, Steve Hill. He was at the Pensacola Revival, and he was talking about, and he was called the weeping preacher because he wept every time he gave the appeal. I went to Pensacola. I saw this guy preach and tears streaming down his face. And I think it was um, Leonard Ravenhall, one of the, again, another one of my favourite authors, who said, our eyes are dry because our hearts are dry. And, and would God move our hearts again? Would God do something in our hearts again so that the church would accurately represent Jesus to Napier and Hastings and Havelock? Would God do that so that 
out of here, they wouldn't say judgmental and bigot, but they would say they're full of compassion. They love us. doesn't matter what we look like, what we've done. They love us. That, that's so much more powerful than our words. So are you up for change? How many of you, um, you know, have been sharing? And I, I know when um, a preacher preaches, sometimes I, it's, not, it's not the things that, I, that, that they say. It's the, whole, the Holy Spirit in the midst of it starts to talk to you, hey? Like, because you, if the Spirit's here, he doesn't need to speak through me. He can speak direct to you. And he will, be, he will have been speaking to some of you. And... Um, the thing is, are you up for change? Are you up to respond to the Holy Spirit? Because you could just say, hmm, interesting, you know, and let's move on. Or you could say, no, God, would you arrest me? Because I, um, I'm, this could be the time to change. And this could be the time to do it now. So I'm going to give you opportunity, like... Um, Sometimes these things can now get awkward, and I'm not scared of I'm not scared of the awkward, because sometimes we actually need that, like to so that a change can be genuine and change can actually happen. Because you'll hear another sermon next week and another sermon the week after, another sermon the week after, and yet we can be exactly the same. And God, don't let us remain the same. Like, will God put something passionate in our hearts? Like there have been. There have been seasons in the church where it's, um, it's been so obvious that it's the Holy Spirit who's driving people. And it's not because they feel like it's a duty, they have to do it. It's come from within them. And I want to bless you with that. I, I pray that the Holy Spirit would bless you with that. So if you feel like this is me, why don't you come up and stand at the front? That could be awkward for some of you. You feel like well, no, we haven't done that a lot, but why don't you come and do that? And, and, if, and if you think, you know, I've been in the church years. No, oh, why don't you come and do that? Because maybe it's time for you to sit at a different cafe. You know, there's a different cafe now. So if you're comfortable with that, why don't you come and stand at the front? I, I pray that you would um, be hungry you know, this is, the, this is the thing. How hungry are you? Like, you get what you are hungry for. And if, if you are content, I think that's the biggest drama in the church. It's not heresy. It's not the devil. It's complacency. You know, that's, that's my biggest issue is complacency. I'm, I'm, I am, um, again, another quote from Tozer, I'm as close to God as I want to be. That's fearful. You know, I'm as close to God as I want to be. So how much closer would you want to be to God? Like, yeah. Yeah, we won't just, yeah. Anybody else feel like that? Um, you're feeling like, that? I don't want to miss this. I'm just going to pray. And as I do, would you listen to the Spirit? Would you hear what the Holy Spirit is saying? That's what he says. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. 
And um, you might be digging your toes in. I don't mind that because sometimes it's the people that dig their toes in the hardest are the ones that once they let go, they, they are, there's a whole lot of momentum now built behind them because they've been holding on. So I could be praying for you right now. Yeah, change is here. This could be your season. And, um, you know, you may feel disappointed in God. I know some t- that's, I hear that sometimes. People saying, you know, I've, tr- I've tried this and I want this and nothing happens to me. Um, it's, not by, it's not by persuasive argument. It doesn't come like that. It comes by revelation. It comes by the Holy Spirit. So we're just going to uh, welcome the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are loved in this place. We need you, Spirit. We, we des- we are desperate for you. Uh, thank you again. We, we are not ungrateful for all that you've done. We're so grateful. And we don't take that for granted. But, Lord, we're hungry for more. And we know that we need a church. And the Napier needs a place where, that manifests your presence. Um, oh, can I just read out a... Where's that gone? Oh. Let me just read out to you a verse of scripture, um, Isaiah chapter 63. Um, Listen to this. I think this is a fair question. Look down from heaven and see, from your holy and beautiful habitation, where are your zeal and your might? Where's your zeal? Where's your power? Where's the stirring of your inner parts? That's like... Black mess, well, whatever. And your compassion are held back from me. Uh, how many of you are feeling that's my question? Where's your zeal and your might? Where's the stirring in your inner parts? Where's your compassion? I feel like they're held back from me. I pray that God, you would um, not hold back your compassion. I pray, Lord, that you'll pour in your compassion. That these people that are standing in front of you here, that they would feel. Your compassion begin to burn, like it says um, that your uh, um, the zeal of the Lord's house would eat them up. And Father, it comes by your Spirit. I, this is not a thing in our heads, Lord. We need your Spirit to move in our hearts, Father. We want to be a people who are we burn with love for you, and there's something in our hearts for we'd be moved with compassion for people. Because we want to accurately represent you. We want people to when they think of Bay Vineyard to think of love. When they think of Bay Vineyard, to think of a God who is full of compassion. Um, let this be a, their blessing on them, Father, in the name of Jesus, right across the board. And Father, I pray for the stirrings in their belly. Um, in the name of Jesus, would you start to stir in their belly a deeper, deeper, deeper hunger? Um, Lord, bless them with your spirit. Would you pour out your spirit even now?